Welcome to the Bubble Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is. I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood. Actual thing worth a Google. Uh, hello and welcome to this, the 403rd episode of the Pope on Film. Wow, 403 episodes already. Don't question it. Uh, it's going to be a fun episode. We're going to be talking about... Uh, uh, Donnie Darko and American Sports and Italian directors and uh, the live-action Aladdin movie. Okay. And a lot. We're going to be talking about a lot. Uh, very excited about this episode. Excited to be starting our themed summer with uh, a really great film called Stockholm Syndrome, the movie. Yes. So really excited to be talking about Madonna. Wow, what a, what a career. Yeah. I love yeah. the fact that one of the world's most successful musicians in the history of music also has one of the worst film careers. Oh, yes. That's fascinating to me. But anyway, yeah, let's get to it. Yes. Okay. The opening is going to be a bit different, but uh, I don't care. So here we go. So this past week, reports surfaced that Universal Studios is hoping to bring two of its biggest film franchises together and inexplicably make a Fast and the Furious Jurassic Park movie. Okay. This is true. This is a true story that, that's actually happening. Now, that alone is not the segment. Here is the segment. I know there's a good joke in there somewhere. <laughs> but for the freaking life of me, I can't think of what the joke is. I know it's there somewhere. I need your help, buddy. Well, look, you, you really haven't lived until you've seen a brontosaurus drift. That's pretty good. Uh, so here are the jokes that I have. And just FYI, none of them are good. Okay. Uh, you, you, you pretty much nailed the first one. The Fast and the Furious Triceratops Drift. Uh, the Past and the Furious. Yes, I like that. Uh, the, the thing is, is that how is a T-Rex going to drive with those really tiny arms? This, this is true. It would have to be some kind of modification. Giraffes and the Furious? Like, these aren't that great, you know? Yeah, the only other one that I came up with... We'll defeat these dinosaurs because nothing is stronger than family. <laughs> uh, those jokes aren't the best. I mean, do you have any ideas? 
Jeez, no, not really. I kind of, I kind of maxed out with Brontosaur Drift. Huh. I did have a decent idea though. So you, so okay. Universal wants to make a Fast and the Furious slash Jurassic Park movie, and yes, that sounds like a hideous mess. However. Remember in 2014 when Sony Pictures was hacked as retaliation for that dumb James Franco movie about North Korea that I didn't bother to see? Yes. Yeah. So literally all of the studio's information, every inch of their information was leaked, including canceled plans for a 21 Jump Street Men in Black crossover where Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum would be fighting aliens. That is roughly the same amount of crappy mess as a fantastic uh, Fast and the Furious Jurassic Park crossover, except I would pay good freaking money to see a 21 Jump Street Men in Black movie. I don't care about Men in Black, but those 21 Jump Street movies, if you got those two and just put them in the middle of a of a men in black film as those two cop characters. I would freaking love that. Absolutely love that. Therefore I did some investigating as to, you know, what studios own what. And so I have some possible movie titles um, lined up just in case the fast and the furious Jurassic park is a hit. Okay. Films that Hollywood can do and that I'm prepared to do if that is successful. Number one, and this is a great one, Harry Potter, Fury Road. I like that. Because there's a lot of wizard movies and there's a lot of post-apocalyptic movies. We need a rugged, gritty, post-apocalyptic wizard movie. Yes. So it's like Mad Max, but instead of, I don't know, everybody fighting for gasoline and being Tina Turner, uh, you know, they're fighting with magic. And that's I think that's a decent idea. I, I do, except that I can't help thinking that in a Mad Max world, Harry Potter is still going to be somebody's bitch. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's in the assless chaps on the back of the motorcycle. That's just his uh, his his place. His relatives are making him live under the Thunderdome. Yes. Uh, here's another one. I like this one. This is a sort of a road movie. The Muppets take Alderaan. All right. Yeah, a Star Wars Muppet movie. It's shocking that a Star Wars Muppet movie hasn't been made despite the fact that the film Muppets from Space exists. Yes. It still hasn't been a Star Wars Muppet film. The Muppets take Alderaan. You know, it's it's like the Muppets take Manhattan, but it's in space. Decent idea. Now, this isn't the same studio, but I'm excited for this idea. Indiana Shrek. Indiana Shrek. Yes. Here's here's the surprising part. It was not difficult to find images of Indiana Shrek. No? Yeah, no. I searched Indiana Shrek, and one of the first things that I saw was Gingy the gingerbread man dressed as 
uh, Indiana Jones running from Cookie Monster as a giant boulder. And it's like, <laughs> pretty close to Indiana Shrek, you know? Yeah. So I'm not the first one to really come up with that idea. But finally, this is my favorite one, okay? This is my favorite. Tyler Perry's Texas Chainsaw Expendables. So, that sounds interesting. Uh, so Medea yeah. is on a road trip with some of her friends and uh, ends up getting hijacked by a crazy Texas family. So who are the only people that can save her? Every over-the-hill action movie star that isn't dead. Yes. Tyler Perry's Texas Chainsaw Expendables. <laughs> it's like finally the Medea Leatherface Dolph Lundgren movie we've all been waiting for. Yes. I'm I, I, I think that's a good pairing. I, I, I think it makes sense. You know, like you're you're an expendable, you know, you gotta you gotta start slowing down a little, you know, so maybe toppling governments is yeah. a, a bit too strenuous in your golden years yeah. you know but it's really not nearly as much work to take down the texas family regardless of how insane they are fyi i finally did find a copy of texas chainsaw massacre the next generation starring uh renee zellweger and what's his name all right all right all right it is an imdb bottom 100 so it is a movie we might see this summer yes so just uh, fyi i've never seen that one before i saw it on your list yeah okay it's a horrible list and and there's more I'm I'm trying I'm trying to get some more to put on the list, but we'll get to the list in just a second. Let's wrap up this uh, Fast and the Furious Jurassic Park. If anyone can think of any jokes, let us know because I got nothing. Maxwell has suddenly appeared. Do you have a joke for Fast and the Furious Jurassic Park, Maxwell, my son? Well, what's your joke? Let's hear it. Fast and the Furious, the, the, the meteorite age. The Fast and the Furious, the meteorite age? How about this? Dinosaur, could the dinosaurs, yeah. they disappeared by a meteorite. So it would probably make sense for, for the dinosaurs to destroy the humans. Me. A meteor. Okay. So while you were saying that, I had came up with another idea. What about this? Jurassic parking. Huh? Huh? That is so good. I thought that was good. I thought that was good. That Thank was you. Really Thank you. Uh, and cut on that. Buddy! Yes. It is finally summer 2021. And every summer, we here at the Pope on Film Podcast dive headfirst into themed summers. We did the summer of Star Wars, which was not as fun as I thought it would be. We did the summer of Saw, which was pretty good. And the summer of Fred Willard, because he had just died before summer started. I was kind of hoping that Tim Curry would die right before this summer, but unfortunately, no. 
So now it is summer. You couldn't do us a favor. Now we have to do this shit. Yeah. <laughs> now it's summer 2021, and we're heading straight to the bottom with an in-depth look at IMDb's legendary list of the 100 worst movies of all time. Now, one note of interest. I downloaded a bunch of the IMDb bottom 100 movies about six months ago. I said, I'm going to try and get as many of these films as I can. And I got 30 of them and I was comfortable with that. And then I forget, I got it. I, I, I don't know. Probably the beginning of the year is when I started getting the, the movies. And then I forgot about it. And then I had the idea to start doing these movies for the IMDb for, for the summer. And when I did that, I went back to the list. And the interesting thing is IMDb's bottom 100 is forever changing. Yes. Based on the ongoing reviews. So movies come and movies are added into the list of the bottom 100 movies and other movies are taken out of the IMDb list of the bottom 100 movies. And so I would like to take this time to congratulate two films, Ballistics, X and Sever, and The Adventures of Pluto Nash for no longer being on the bottom 100. Nice. Congratulations. I was kind of excited to watch that Antonio Banderas, like, I think Lucy Liu action film that makes no sense. And I was excited to see, like, uh, Pluto Nash, maybe Leonard Part 6, but neither of those films are on the list. But I, I guess that's just for another time when it's not summer. So this week, in Act 1 of the show, we are beginning... Uh, our transition to bottoms with Guy Ritchie's worst film, the 2002 movie Swept Away. Yeah. Which is horrible. And I think I went... Yeah. I think I went almost... I, I did a lot of research for this film because I wanted to explain like how this film was made. I wanted to put the film into context in regards to Madonna's career and Guy Ritchie's career, and I think I nailed it, but it might, if anything, it might be too much. Might have too much information. But 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 we'll get to that. But one of the things that I want to do every week during the summer is every week I, I want to focus on a movie in the bottom 100 that we will not be watching. Okay. Because we're not gonna watch all 100 movies on the list. So there's going to be some that we're not going to watch. So um, so this week, we're doing number 100 on the list. That's another exciting thing about this summer is that I don't know which movies we'll be doing. I know we're going to do number 100. Right. Away, okay? And at the end, we're going to do number one, which is at the moment. Uh, what is it? I forgot what it is. It for the long. It's not currently number one. Is the two thousand and eight comedy disaster movie? Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, so. so. So everything in between is sort of a question mark. So I'm excited about that, and I have a poll 
up on my Twitter page right now. That is twitter.com slash Reverend Steve. And you can vote right now on what our next film will be. And there's about an hour and a half, I think, left in the poll as of this exact moment. So you can go and vote on which film we do next. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to go on the Twitter and see how it's doing and see what movie we're watching. But I now I want to discuss one of the movies we will not be doing, which is number 99, S. Darko. Okay. The low-budget 2009 direct-to-DVD sequel to the 2001 cult film Donnie Darko. Yes, not a good movie. I've seen it. Yeah. I barely remember it. But I've seen it. I'm going to do another dramatic sigh. Funny. Yes. I want to be honest with you. Because the honesty, honesty is an important part of a healthy relationship. Funny. I have never seen Donnie Darko. Really? No. I tell people I have. But I've never seen Donnie Darko. Uh, nor will I possibly ever see it. So, okay. It was the end of 2001 and the beginning of 2002 when Donnie Darko came out. I was dating Debbie at the time. And she would, ha- she would hang out with drug dealers at a Denny's at 3 a.m. And all of her friends were just so cool. And yeah. Freaking rebel and alternative with their freaking Jinko jeans and and just always on all of these different drugs and um, it, it, her her friends were just all really annoying and 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 they were they would all they all wouldn't shut up about how amazing Donnie Darko was. So at one point, I was just so annoyed, I put my foot down and I just said, I'm not watching. And people would get really upset when I tell them that I haven't watched it. So eventually, I just started telling people that I have watched it and it became a reflex. And so uh, we're not doing S. Darko because I haven't even seen Donnie Darko. I, I, I have no interest in seeing Donnie Darko, let alone a low budget sequel done without the producer director you know yes yeah a low budget directed dvd sequel that was made without the original writer director's input that's like if you and me just decided to make troll three and and not nearly as much sparkle magic which you won't understand because you haven't seen them but yeah yeah the creator of the original donnie darko needed more sparkle magic yeah the the original creator of Donnie Darko, Richard Kelly, says that he has never seen Donnie Darko and refuses to ever see it. And uh, hey, there's one thing that me and the director of Southland Tales have in common. We both will never see S. Darko. Hooray! See, Donnie Darko, to me, is... is Like, fans of Donnie Darko are as weird and scary as fans of Scarface. 
But like, oh, like these are these are good movies, but you're really, really getting out of hand with it. Yeah. But between the two, I would still rather be trapped in a room of Donnie Darko fans than Scarface fans. Oh man, my my uh my cousin uh the one that may or may not have a record, he was a big fan of Scarface back in the day. And I just like I I the thing is is that the original Scarface was meant as like a, hey, it's the nineteen 19- 40s or whatever, and here is a, a grindhouse movie with a lot of sensational violence. We're gonna grab you. So then, uh, Scarface was made to be a modern day version of that, but in doing it, it went so far with the drugs and the sex and the violence that at some point in time, just people who want to seem as if they're thugs took it as a documentary to us to s- strive to one day be. Yes. That's the problem that I have with, and I feel that I would love Donnie, Donnie Darko if I had seen it on my own when it came out, but I just never did. And so Donnie Darko just became one of those movies that everyone and everyone told me I had to watch. Okay. But let's just be fair here. And let's just be honest. Jake Gyllenhaal has yet to top his performance in bubble boy. You know, one hundred percent. So like, so like, okay. Even Donnie, it still does not live up to Bubble Boy. You know, yeah. He will always be my little Bubble Boy. Jake Gyllenhaal. I I didn't have a problem with Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. I had no problem with that. I thought he did pretty darn good as Mysterio. Did did people have problems? Uh, I mean, I haven't. It's a comic any- book movie. Of course, people have problems. <laughs> yeah, everyone always has problems. I'm just thinking about Jake Gyllenhaal's career, and that was the first movie that came to my mind. And I'm I'm just thinking like, like he did good. He did good in that. He was all right. He did good. Uh, no, he's a he's a very good actor. Shut the fuck up, Dreyer. Fucking Sunday. He's a very good actor, but again, with the whole Hollywood clone theory, okay, he is John Cusack 2.0. Yeah. That is what Jake Gyllenhaal has, you know, he even has the sister. I wouldn't. Who is better than he is? I have a hard. But he gets with the that. good roles because he's the man. Yeah, I like John Cusack more because he's had cooler movies. Yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess Jake Gyllenhaal's cool movie would be Donnie Darko, but when I think of. Uh, John Cusack's cool film. Shit. Uh, uh, Better Off Dead. His <coughs> uh, early ones. Like, yeah, he he said cooler films, but 
But yeah, so uh, S. Darko. We're not watching S. Darko. The, the problem that I have with our dive into IMDb's list of the 100 worst movies of all time is that I feel that there are some movies that we will not get away with. That Movies we have to do. You know? There are some really bad movies on this list where it's like, I think we have to watch From Justin to Kelly. We have to watch Battlefield Earth. We have to watch Geely. We might even have to watch Glitter. The the movie with that singer. Glitter. Mariah Carey. But then, also... There are some movies here that we have already done. We did Manos. We did number six on the list, Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. <clears throat> so I was looking through the list, and I was, and I came across Crossroads, and I was like, well, that That's wasn't a great movie. I mean, it was a Karate Kid ripoff, but it wasn't that bad. And then I found out it was the Britney Spears one, and, yeah, I, and, I, sh- Spears and one. I shrieked. Yeah. And and it's and and like a lot of the movies on here we've done before. Like, are we gonna? We can't do. We certainly can't do Troll Two again. We can't do. Uh, uh, Manos again. Yeah. I mean, and then there's an Adam Sandler. There's a few Adam Sandler movies on here. I think a lot of people will expect us to watch Jack and Jill, but ever since we did 2017 Sandy Wexler, you made me promise never to do an Adam Sandler movie again. So I'm really excited about this summer because I don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's different when we're doing, we're going to watch every soft film. We're going to watch every, but like this has a feel of last summer where it's like, what Fred Willard films are we going to do? I have some I've never even heard of. And so it was kind of an exciting thing. Like that one where he owns a radio station. That movie was all right. Where he owns Fred the Willard. radio station where the kid is talking to UFOs or. Yeah, that was a weird ass movie. And it turned out not to be aliens, but it turned out to be time travelers instead. Yeah. Yeah, that movie was weird. And I was not expecting... That was was a different film. So I'm excited about this summer, because who knows what we're going to watch. That's exciting. Yes. I'm so thrilled by that. Anyway. So uh, what are the Twitter choices? Oh, the Twitter choices. Okay. So I want to try as much as possible to keep our movies in chronological order. So we're watching number 100 swept away. So I picked three movies that were also in the the 90s of the list. Okay. Number 95 the Uwe Boll 2007 film In the Name of the King. Number 92 on the list, the 2009 film Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. And number 91 on the list, The Freaking Love Guru. Okay. Mike Myers' woefully failed follow-up to the Austin Powers franchise. And for some reason, I had seen... Love Guru before. 
I, I don't I don't know why that happened or how that happened. I think it was it was a very dark period in my life because right around the same time, I remember seeing I am the Zohan. So uh, you, you you can't mess with the Zohan. Don't mess with the Zohan. Don't mess with like the that. Zohan. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Adam Sandler movie. Just saying. You know who's in uh you know who's in Jack and Jill? Uh no. Dario Cueto. Really? Yes, the owner and proprietor of Lucha Underground. Because he's an actor. So every once in a while you'll see him in something. He was in one or two episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So what uh- Maybe we should save that to Bunny Versus, but the, we have to come back around to Dario Cueto, okay? Let's okay. Just... Yeah, okay. We'll get back to that. Uh, so, yeah. So, so there's an hour left on the, on the poll for what movie should we do next on Twitter. And so you still have an hour right now to go to Twitter and vote for which movie sh- we should do next. Bella, have you voted yet? No. You should vote. On what movie we should do next for the podcast? I send it to to all of all of my kids with Twitter, yeah, to see what movie we'll be doing next. So very excited about that. If we do the Love Guru, that's fine. But it, like, there's a lot of Uwe Bowl films on here, and I've never seen a single Uwe Bowl film. These cats are trying to dis- these cats are these kittens are trying to destroy these plants back there yeah i can see that constantly yeah i've seen a couple of yui bowl films and and this is indicative of yui bowl films i don't know which ones i've seen and i don't know what the fuck they were about yeah I don't know if we're going to do in the name of the king or blood rain or uh I think he did Far Cry. I don't know. But one film I know we're definitely doing of Uwe Bowles on the list is Alone in the Dark. Tara Reid plays a scientist. Yeah. Very excited about that one. Yay. See, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the movies on IMDb's bottom 100 that are really horrible movies but they're fun to watch because of how horrible this is, these movies are. Swept Away is just shit. Oh, 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 oh! I, I, I'm really straining at the leaf, at the leash, and I'm, I'm trying to contain myself because once I start, I'm just not going to stop. I'm like, okay, well, this movie's so bad, it's going to be fun. No, it wasn't fun. It was not fun. It was not. And what but, scares me is, and, and you messaged me with the exact same thought, and it scared me when I was fucking watching it. It's like, okay, this is the best of the worst. Yeah. This is the it's best. It's all downhill this. from here. And, and I also have disagreements, but anyway. Yeah, okay. So, uh... So, okay, so this was a fun discussion. I want to have a, a, a bottom 100 discussion in Act 1 every week, and so this was good. We're getting some things out. We're trying to, to, to 
focus on what our summer is going to become. And I'm very excited about that. Thank you for joining us for our uh, discussion of this summer. And cut on that. Yes. We still have a podcast to talk about. We need to talk about my health. We need to talk about um, apple blossom time. Okay. We need to talk about... Can't wait to start talking about apple blossom time. We need to talk about... Uh, Madonna's younger brother, Christopher. Okay. To talk about um, a female Italian director and her feelings towards this film. We have a lot. We need to talk about 9-11. I want to hear about her feelings on the film. I really do. Yeah. Because yeah. I know what you're talk talking about. about. We need to talk about 9-11 as well. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay, I concur. We will be right back with more of the Poop on Film after this. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Skeet, skeet, scot, scoot, speedly, wow and break. And break. show you one of my favorite books in the world and it's right here and it's called heaven is real and fun by kim robinson and then here's the subtitle it actually says you don't float around wearing diapers and eating grapes i love this book so much this woman believes that like literally believes that when she prays, Jesus takes her from earth and lets her play in heaven. Uh, here's what the back says. Since 1988, the Holy Spirit has been taking me to heaven. Jesus would show me various fun places and allowed me to do fun things. I asked, why, why was he showing me these places? Daddy slash God said... Because people think all they do here is float around wearing diapers, eating grapes. 
are doing nothing but bowing before me. Okay, so this is my favorite passage of the book, and it's called Play Gel Balls. Okay. I'm not sure if this... Hold on. I'm going to do this in two parts. Okay, you ready for this? This morning while worshipping, I was caught up in the spirit and stepped over into heaven when I heard Jesus say, Come play gel balls. It's like a water balloon, but the ball is full of giggly joy gel. You can squeeze it into yourself. When you put one in yourself, you laugh intensely. You're in the, in the spirit realm. You can place things into yourself as if you were transparent. When you try to hit the other person with these joy gel balls, they try to get hit. So it will go into them, and they will intensely laugh. They can also catch it and squeeze it into themselves. Intensely laugh and keep playing. Heaven is so fun and filled with intense laughter. This reminded me of Job 8.21 that says, He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with joyful shouting. Hello there. Yeah, so anyway, I love this book. I love this book so much. And a lot of people have asked me, why do you love this book so much? And, and the thing that I love about this book is that it, this isn't a joke. This person actually believes uh, chapter 2, Daddy God and the Holy Spirit in Heaven. It, this woman actually believes that she can leave Earth and travel to Heaven where she has a vaguely uh, a high sexual tension relationship with Jesus. There's a passage in here where she's slow dancing with Jesus. Fragrance of Jesus. Like this woman wants to bang our Lord and Savior. And I, I just love this. I, I just. Jesus is in me. Jesus is in me. This woman wants to bang Christ. And I just love this book because if, if, if you're on the street and you're pushing a shopping cart and the police ask you, what's up with you? And you say, oh, I, I, I've been talking to Jesus. He takes me. He takes me to, uh, to roller coasters. Roller coasters in heaven, you know, uh, just float around on a cloud wearing divers and eating grapes then you'd be put in an institution or a prison and you'd rot in there for the rest of your life. But if you're an old white woman and you say those things, then uh, congratulations, you're a prophet. It's, it's insane. This woman is clearly insane. The space with minimum waste and maximum joy. City lights, business night. When you require streetcar desire for higher heights. No place for beginners or sensitive hearts. Santa 
Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train going anywhere Just a city boy Born and raised in South Detroit He took the midnight train going anywhere A singer in a smoky room a smell of wine and cheap perfume For a smile they can share the night It goes on and on and on and on Strangers waiting Up and down the boulevard Their shadows searching in the night Street lights People living just to find emotion, hiding somewhere, somewhere in the night. Working hard to get my fill. Everybody wants a thrill Paying anything to roll the dice Just one more time Some will win, some will lose Some were born to sing my blues All the movie never ends It goes on and on and on and on Strangers Waiting Walk up and down the boulevard Their shadows Searching in the night Street lights People Living just to find emotion Hiding Somewhere in the night Stop believing Hold on to the feeling, yeah lights, people Don't stop believing Whoa lights, people Stop believing Hold on to the feeling yeah. Street lights People
Your pack, filthy capitalist pickards. Viva la revolution. Yes. Day and age now at this hour but uh only the real fans the true hardcore fans that have been with us since the beginning only they would know uh the two main predominant facts about the both of us uh, two facts 100 true and not made up on the spot facts about you and i america's hottest podcasters bunny and steve first and foremost bunny is the fact the undeniable fact that I really appreciate you, Bunny, and all of the hard work you do for this none-too-popular podcast. Just wanted to take this to be serious and say that you do a lot of work for a, a podcast that it, that that it is uh, beloved in Vietnam <laughs> and Kent, Ohio, and nowhere else. Yes. Well, you do a lot of work for this show, and I just want to say that I really appreciate you, Bunny. You are seen. Thank you. And I'm hoping that when you think about this podcast, it feels like home to you. You feel held. Yes. You feel held. <laughs> and the second fact that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment yep. of... Thanks. Steve's Historic Approximations! <laughs> Or chef, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name chef. It's short, but it's loud. It's the Joe Pesci of podcast segments. Anywho, this week on the old chapity chap chap, we will be doing a very short chap, a short, sharp chap, as Pink Floyd would say about one of the most well-known songs in America and the lyrics that will surprise you. Now, in order to talk about this beloved piece of Americana, I need to discuss a songwriter. His name is, and I love this about him, Albert Von Tilzer. Okay. I love that name because that name is a story. See, his real name was Albert Gum. G-U-M-M. His parents were Sarah and Jacob Gabinski, which I'm pretty sure is the guy who trains mice in Coraline. Okay. But that's beside the point. But Albert Gum wanted to move to the big city and make it big. Like so many young people. That's the American dream. Uh, when he got to be older, he, he, he wanted a better name because he felt like he wasn't going to be a super big success with the name Albert Gum. So uh, when he got older, he adopted his mother's maiden name, which was Tilzer. So now he's Albert Tilzer. And OK, that's a bit fancier than Albert Gum. But still, he needs something to put him over the top, you know? 
Yeah. If Albert Gum is going to make it big, he needs a better name. So he adds a Vaughn for no reason. The guy's white, sure, but he's not German. He was born in Indianapolis in 1878. But he, ch- he changed his name to Albert Von Tilzer. Okay. And it caught the hell on. Suddenly people are looking at him different, you know? People are seeing him as classy and noble, and eventually his three brothers also adopt the last name Von Tilzer. (laughs) That's so great. Changing your name, just make it something different, something special. I love that. FYI, my new name is now Baron Stephen Von Dirchfall. Okay. Name Baron Stephen von Dirchfall. Uh, just FYI, Dirchfall, D U R C H F A L L, is German for no. I'm not telling you. You can bing it for yourself. <laughs> wow, that's what that means. No, that's not what it means. I'm not telling you what it means. I know what it means. Germans have a word for everything. (laughs) Yeah, if there is ever going to be a language where uh, the language has a word for something so specific, it would probably be German. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you what it means, but I like the name Baron Stephen von... Dirchfall, because one person will say, what a fancy name. And then the other person will say, I agree. And then the third person will say, here, here. And then the fourth person, the only one who does know German, is going, the fuck? (laughs) That's what what that name is. So that's a fun little thing for people to figure out on their own. Anywho... Von Dirchfall goes to the big city, New York City, not Kent, Ohio. The big city, New York. Big Apple, the big, the big bowl of spaghetti is what they call it. Big Corona Burger. The city that has sleep problems. So it doesn't get a lot of sleep because it's up all night is what they call it. And uh, Von Tilzer wants to make a name for himself, and his eyes quickly focus on a place called Tin Pan Alley. Okay. So in the late 19th century and early 20th century, music, popular music, I mean, sure, there were records, but not everybody had a record player. It wasn't the world's most popular thing, especially in the 1890s and the 1900s and the 1910s. Most of the time, if you wanted to hear music, you had to listen to the radio or see it perform live at a concert or at vaudeville. Or another very popular way to listen to a popular to popular music was you bought the sheet music took it home, and listened to the song by just fucking playing it yourself on the grand piano that everyone had. Yeah. And I love that so much of, like, DIY music. Yeah. You know? So Tin Pan Alley was an area in Manhattan, specifically West 28th Street, between 5th and 6th Avenue, where most popular music publishers and songwriters pick out popular songs. But so that's Tin Pan Alley. But I just want to put a pin on that because we're all about pins in uh, Steve's historic approximations, which I spell 
capital S, capital H, capital A, lowercase p. Yes. Just to be clear. So I love the idea of like, hey, you want to hear this pop song? Here's sheet music. Fucking make it yourself and hear it. And I, and I would like to think that there is some alternate universe out there where that still became the primary way to listen to music was to buy the sheet music and just bring it home and listen to it yourself. And so it's like the 1970s and it's, it's like, oh, we're going to yeah. go buy the Led Zeppelin album. So you go to the store and you buy, like, we want Led Zeppelin 4. And it's like, okay, here's the sheet music, a pack of cigarettes, yeah. and a bottle of whiskey. This is the new Led Zeppelin album. <laughs> so you drink the entire bottle of whiskey and smoke the entire bottle of cigarettes, and you're playing Stairway to Heaven on the piano. <laughs> all whacked out of your on your ass. If you buy Sublime's new album, you get the sheet music, a neck tattoo, and a criminal record. <laughs> and I just love the idea. No, like, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of getting lost in the idea of it. So, like, you would have a particular song then, which would have really drastic regional differences yeah. is kind yeah. of how I'm picturing it. Well, that's how we play it around here. You know, like the fucking rules to Monopoly. Everybody has their own rules to Monopoly. That's really interesting. So like, like, hey, did you hear the new song All-Star by Smash Mouth? And in Kentucky, it's like, oh, yeah, we love it. And they get the banjo. Yeah. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. Yeah. You know? And that's all star there. That's interesting. Yeah, so there's all these regionally different versions of the exact same song. You can have a punk version, a metal version, a disco version, a fucking old version. You know, yeah. what are some what are some genres from this century? <laughs> no, that was still the nineties. Yeah, that's interesting. I love that. There, yeah, you can spend a lot of time in this alternate universe thinking up different albums. Oh, let's play it on. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's another good point. People changing the tempo. It's yeah. just like how uh, that thing you do became popular. That some people are playing uh, like Enter Sandman really slow. And some people are doing like, oh, this is a fun song. Bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Draw my Chevy to the levee. Like, yeah. Really interesting. Really interesting. The tempo just keeps changing depending on who's playing it. Yeah. Oh, a lot to think about in this alternate universe. A lot to think about. I, 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 yeah, I thought of a whole lot of things right there that I couldn't get out of my mouth. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Vaughn, I, I totally lost it. So Vaughn Tilzer heads to Tin Pan Alley, and soon he has his own publishing company. 
Because apparently Albert Von Tisler is just, he, he just got the music bug and he's cranking out songs. He's cranking out a ton of songs and a lot of them are pretty big hits. I have a list of some of his songs right here. Uh, uh, Albert Von Tilzer is cranking out songs, including but not limited to The Alcoholic Blues. Okay. Chili Bean. Dapper Dan, I'd like to think those two are AEW's newest tag team. Chili <laughs> Dan. Uh, I'll be with you in Apple Blossom time. In Apple oh, Blossom I won't be time. Regular time. Only in Apple Blossom time. I'll be with you in Apple Blossom time. Yes. No other time. No. And my favorite title. Uh, uh, oh, by Jingo, oh, by Gee, you're the only girl for me. Okay. To it on YouTube before we did the podcast. It's crap. <laughs> oh, by Jingo, oh, by Gee, you're the only girl for me. Okay. It, it, it reminded me a lot of... Um, Eep op orc ah uh-uh, that means I love you. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. And Elroy Jetson accidentally wrote that song. Yes. So in the beginning of the 19th century, Albert von Tilzer meets up with another songwriter. His name was Jack Norworth. A nice guy and a good lyricist, and together they're looking for a big hit. Hey, you've had some hits. I've had some hits. Let's team up. We'll create a big hit. Okay, we're going to write a song. We're going to write a song, and it needs to be popular. Maybe we can write a song about what's popular. Well, it's 1908. What's freaking popular? Uh, Dying of curable diseases? Like, hey, plumbing. Like, I don't know, what, 1908. What's popular in 1908? Our new song is called Kicking a Can Down the Road by Jove. Yes. And so they're looking for something to write a song about. Uh, it's 1908. Jack Northworth is writing a subway to work, and he sees an ad. Baseball today at the Polo Grounds. Jack Northward goes to work. He's talking to Von Tilzer, and their consensus is, apparently this baseball sport is popular in America. Let's write a song about it. And that song was Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Okay. Um, So, yeah, this song is – so, yeah. uh, In 1908, they released the song by Jack Northworth and Albert Von Tilzer. Here's uh, two things about this song. Number one, both men had never been to a baseball game. Okay. Important fact. Uh, And number two, uh, Jack Northworth specifically, he didn't uh, go to a game until 1940. (laughs) And number two, the song has a plot. All we're singing is the chorus. This is a full-length fucking song. <laughs> okay. With characters and a and 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 a plot. And it's shocking to me that people don't know this. <laughs> now 
So their idea wasn't just, we're going to write a song about peanuts and Cracker Jacks. No, they wrote a song with a plot about a woman who's obsessed with baseball. So I've got the lyrics here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1908 version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It is astonishing. This song is so super popular. Both of those men, Albert Von Tilzer, great, horrible name, and Jack Northworth are both in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I love the fact that the Baseball Hall of Fame has a guy with a fake Vaughn in his title, a guy who didn't go to a baseball game until about 15 years before he died, Homer Simpson, who doesn't exist, and Abbott and Costello. All five of these people are in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I love that. (laughs) You know, is Paul Newman in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Paul Newman should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And the Hanson brothers. Yeah. Are they in the Hockey Hall of Fame? They should be. Anyway, so (laughs) here's the lyrics to the original 1908 version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Katie Casey was baseball mad, had the fever, and had it bad. Just to root for the hometown crew, every Sue Katie Blue. Now, you have to look that up. The term Sue means a coin of French origin, which at the time was common slang for a low-denomination coin. Okay. In French, the expression sans les sous means that you're penniless. Most of the time um, in America, if someone used the full lyrics to the song, which they hardly ever did, they replaced sous, S-O-U, with cent. It's basically kind of the same thing. So every cent, Katie Blue, on on a Saturday, her young beau called to see if she liked to go to see a show. But Miss Katie said, no, I'll tell you what you can do. And there's the chorus, take me out to the ball game, take me out with the crowds. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't care if I ever get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame for it's one, two, three strikes you're out at the old ball game. Then there's another verse. Katie yes. Casey saw all the games, knew the players by their first names, told the umpire he was wrong all along, good and strong. When the score was just two to two, Katie Casey knew what to do. Just to cheer up the boys she knew, she made the gang sing this song, and then it's the chorus again. Take Me Out to the Ball Game has characters, lyrics, and a plot. And it's shocking to me that this is one of the most well-known songs in the history of America. If you go to downtown if you go to Times Square and ask people yeah. for the no one will be able to tell you those lyrics no 
despite the fact that this is a song that they could probably all sing. Even people who don't know sports, they could sing the chorus. They will have no idea that there that there are lyrics to this. That is, a, <laughs> that is astounding. I, I would me. imagine hardcore baseball fans would. I don't know. Uh, the only person I can think of that would know uh, that would know um, the lyrics to this is uh, Harry Carey. Yeah, Harry Carey could probably sing all of it. I don't think anybody else could. Let's get let's get uh, what's the name of the drugged up guy? Who's just crazy. as a just as a side note, since my. Since I have never actually seen this man, Harry Carey, my brain automatically feeds me Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Will Ferrell was so great. What's your favorite planet? Mine's <laughs> the sun. But yeah, we need to track down a total nutbag, Jose Canseco, and see if he knows the lyrics. That'll be the ultimate test. <laughs> Canseco is crazy. We've been over that on the podcast. Yeah. But yeah, that's a shap for this week. Uh, I find it fascinating that uh, yes, there's lyrics to this song. We all know it, but I, Katie Casey, that's yeah, astonishing. And I know I say this at the end of most shaps, but I'm shocked that more people don't know that story. More people that, should. Yeah, they should. It's America. It's America. Yes. So that's it for Steve's Historic Approximations this week. Be sure and join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes? We need to talk about uh, this week's movie, and I've got a lot about it. Do we really, do we really have to talk about this movie. <laughs> I wanted to put it in context, but that became this big, difficult thing. Suddenly I have to talk about where Madonna was you know, prior like her background, and then I had to talk about Guy Ritchie's background, and how they got why they got married, and then I started getting into uh, Madonna's brother, and then the director of the original film. I may have too much about this movie. Okay. Uh, but I am going to fully explain how this movie came about, how this got made. I'm going to be going over Somebody that. has to explain it. Yeah, and I am going to be doing that. But before we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break, yes. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after These lights that my wife bought for her plants are wonderful for lighting for YouTube videos. Hello! 
Reverend Steve here, and today I will be eating ice cream. Medicinal ice cream. It's right here. All natural medicated ice cream. Okay, nice cream. Uh, a medicinal ice cream. It features, uh, it's called Oklahoma Road. Get your kicks on Route 66, it says. Chocolate and ice cream, toasted pecans, and vegan marshmallows made in Oklahoma. OKNiceCream.com. Uh, it contains 62.5 milligrams per four ounce serving. I have never tried this before. Uh, we are going to give this a try. Ooh, ooh, this looks pretty. Wow. That looks very pretty. I don't know how much I should eat. I, uh, I've been worried about trying medicinal ice cream for the longest time because when I eat ice cream, I eat a lot of ice cream. So I need to learn when to say no to ice cream. Okay, so we're going to try this. Uh, there you go. Got some pecans and some marshmallow in there. Oh, 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 um, it's got that edible taste. You see my furrowed brow? Oh, the pecans and marshmallows help, though. So, um, had two bites. I don't know how much of this will get me all. You know? So. Maybe a big bite. And then we can sh keep checking back on me. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. Big bite. Big bite. There are a lot of pecans. Really like the pecans. I'm a big fan of pecans. Ooh, that taste. Mm. The pecans and the marshmallows are wonderful. The rest is a bit questionable. Okay. So we will be back. I will see you in about an hour. Ah. Okay. It has been one hour since I have had the ice cream. Uh, I took three bites on camera. And then once I stopped the video, I had three more bites. So, uh, not really high. <laughs> um, I can feel myself starting to get a little bit high. It, I'm very mellow right now. Uh, uh, you know, a little bit dizzy, a little bit, uh, tripped out, but I'm not high, but then again, it's also only been an hour. So, okay. But I'm still functional. Uh, just a little, hey, you know?
You just got off of work. It's a Friday. You're going to have a little bit. And hey, that's how I feel right now. But it's only been an hour. So let's check back in another hour. Hello. It has now been over two hours. And... Um, I'm moving faster than time. <laughs> I only took six bites. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, that light is so pretty. I think I'm gonna procrastinate a little bit more. Oh, oh, I'll hit numbing strings without my right hand. Using my left hand, singing. I need to quit singing so I can start drinking. Here I go. In the city, night is a while. Steam in the subway, the world is on fire. Woman, you want me? Give me a sign. Catch my breathing, even closer behind. With the ground, I'm on a hot down after yeah. I smell like a sound, I'm lost in a crowd, and I'm hungry like I was. Cross the line, a discord and rhyme. I'm on a hot down after yeah. My mouth is alive with juices and wine, and I'm hungry like I was. <laughs> Too close behind to be a funny by the moonlight side. I'm a drumming, I'm just skin so tight. You feel my heat, I'm just a moment behind. Like the world, 
I'm out of line, it's discord and rhyme Cause I'm on a hunt all after you My mouth is lined with juices and wine I'm on hungry like the wolf Burning the ground, break from the crowd I'm on a hunt down after you I scented the sound, I'm lost and I'm found And I'm hungry like the wolf Couldn't be lying, I discord and rhyme I'm on a hunting after you My mouth is alive, a running side And I'm hungry like the wolf Oh no, I bust a sweat doing that song <sighs> That deserves a drink, don't mind if I do
I'll be coming back. I'll be coming back for next week's episode. You come back too. Or burn in hell for eternity. Playground of the rich. Our rich people are the same. We play funny little games. Our job is to smile like idiots. It was his job. My name is Giuseppe. Pepe for short. Would you show my wife the gym? Wait here. Your gym, madam. It was her rules. Peepee, water and towels. Understand? Everyone at Torta Shees. It was about having it all. Peepee. I think I'm going to kill that woman. <laughs> Until it was all swept away. We have landed on a deserted island. That's impossible, you idiot. Number one, don't ever insult me again. Number two, if you want food, you will have to earn it. Ow! What are you doing? Sorry. Number three, you wait on me now. I want sing. Come on to my house, to my house. I'm gonna give you candy. Come on to my house, to my house. I'm gonna give you everything. 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 That's enough. And we're with more. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Maybe I should do it more like this for this movie. And we're bark, 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 bark with more of the Pope on film. Act three. Act three. I'm not sure how good my sound is. Give me a second, buddy. I'm going to listen to this beginning that I'm still doing while we're doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Yes, I do. Okay, so I'm just continuing talking right now in a regular voice so I can hear myself. Hopefully, you can hear this. Okay, my my sound is kind of shit, but I'm going to get through it. Okay. 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 Uh, yes, buddy, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast to casually stroll on in to the third and final act of the show. And for those of you who are uninitiated, those of you not in the know, our third act is wherein we focus on, in on our hand-picked and not available in stores movie of the week. And this week, we start our summer of bottoming with Madonna's 2002 cinematic tragedy, Swept Away, or as I like to call it, Stockholm Syndrome, the movie. This is a piece of shit. And it worries me that it's only going to get worse from here. This is number 100 on the bottom 100 list. It's going to get worse than this. Yes. 
I, I've I've seen a lot of movies, and I've seen a lot of hardcore movies. I I, I think this is the first movie that ever actually just offended me. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like insulted by this movie. Yeah. You know, like, like, and by by two people that you would think would have known better. You know, this was his follow up to Snatch. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? Snatch is such a good freaking movie. You followed up Snack with this! Okay. Um, let let so me synopsize this movie really quick with an alternate tagline I have for it, uh, which is basically, you abuse a woman long enough, she'll eventually fall in love with you, usually right after the rape. I'm going to test my speaker and microphone right now. Yeah. Yes, I can hear that. Do you hear a a replay? What's this? I'm testing the sound. Okay, my sound is working good, apparently. I don't know how it sounds on Twitter, but it's... it's, You sound good to me. Okay, good, good. Um, So... We do themed summers here at the Pope on Film Podcast. We've been around since 2014, and this is our 403rd episode. Don't question it. Anywho, so uh, we've done the summer of Star Wars. We did the summer of um, the summer of Saw. We did the summer of um, Fred Willard, which was a whole bunch of fun. And now we're focusing on movies on IMDb's list of the 100 worst films of all time. Uh, The exciting thing is that I have no idea what we're going to be doing next. I put a poll up, uh, and it should be ending sometime soon, if not now. I am not going to check on it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until we end this segment to check on the poll and see what we're doing next. The last I saw, it was tied. There was a tie between In the Name of the King, an Uwe Boll film, and Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Because everyone knows that who should be Chun-Li? That's right. Um, Lex Luthor's girlfriend from Smallville should be the Asian Kung Fu master in a live-action Chun-Li film. So uh, I'm not going to check on the results to see who won. We're going to check up on that later, but it, it's exciting because I don't know what we're going to be doing next. But anyway, this is number 100 on IMDb's constantly updated, ever-changing list of the 100 worst movies of all time. Uh, I have a lot of backstory for this movie, possibly yeah. too much, but I feel that I had to tell two stories. Where Madonna was when she made this film, what her mindset was, what her backstory was when she made this film, and where Guy Ritchie was coming from when he made this film. So I've got a lot of info here, and it's kind of absolutely insane. So our first movie, number 100, 
swept away. First off, I have never liked Madonna. No. If I had to explain how I feel about Madonna, let me let me uh, just quote someone, a real-life criminal, who has only been in one real film. I like some of her early stuff. Borderline, True yeah. Blue. Yeah. When she got into that Papa Don't Preach phase, I tuned out. <laughs> um... I feel that Madonna is one of those people that, um, first off, I am pansexual. This is a pansexual flag here. Let me move the, this is a pansexual flag and I feel I am a part of the LBGTQ spectrum. And that's not even, that's not even including the, the dresses I occasionally wear. So I just wanted to clarify that when I say the following Madonna has always seemed to be one of those people who is straight, but gay people love her. And essentially right now in 2021, gay people are the only people still propping up her career like Cher. And she should be more for gay people who are the only people who are still keeping her relevant. At this okay, while you might make a point, I'm gonna tell you. Cher loves gay people, and Cher is just like, "Oh yes, I love all of you, and let me let me be there for you." And Madonna's just like, thinks she's the most important person in the world, and doesn't care about her straight fans, let alone her gay fans. And her gay fans, I, I would say, right now are the primary people that are keeping her a wealthy, successful Madonna. Okay, but that doesn't mean she owes them anything. Uh, and also, she's a mean-spirited devil woman. Okay, that's great. Yes. But I'm not, I'm not saying, just like Cher doesn't owe him anything. Cher owes nobody anything. In 2011, this is my favorite Cher story, and I think of this all the time. In 2011, she co-wrote and directed a movie called W.E. It's not we, it's W.E. Um, a movie that no one saw. It sounds vaguely, vaguely familiar, though. It cost $18 million to make, and it made $2 million worldwide. So not a lot of people saw W.E. She went to the Venice Film Festival to promote the film. And while she's there, a fan said, oh, Madonna, I love you. And she's there ready to do a panel in front of a microphone. Oh, Madonna, we love you. Here, I have got you these flowers, and they're hydrangeas. Hydrangeas? Hydrangeas. Close enough. I'm going with hydrangeas. Flowers. And she thanks the fan, but a hot mic catches her. having a fit about the flowers she was just given for free by a fan. And the hotline catches are just going, uh, I absolutely loathe hydrangeas. If this fan was really a fan, then they would know how much I hate these flowers. They are hideous. Can somebody take these the fuck away? I fucking hate these fucking flowers and since then anytime someone mentions madonna the only thing i can think of is just oh don't give her free flowers because they might be hydrangeas and she'll fucking shit herself with rage yeah so 
she'll throw a little diva tantrum because someone gave her the wrong type of free flowers. So I think of that all of the time. So just fuck Madonna. I love how she, I mentioned this earlier, how she's an all-time legendary musician and the world's shittiest actress with the worst filmography. Yes. Two years before Swept Away came out, she starred in a gay dramedy called The Next Best Thing, co-starring Rupert Everett, and I have never fucking heard of this before. Ever. (laughs) She started a movie with Rupert Everett? How did I not know about this? In the year 2000, she made a movie, and she's best friends with this gay guy, and they decide to have a baby together and raise the baby together, but then he falls in love with a guy, and she wants to go and be with this guy and his kid. But Madonna's like, no, we have this together, so they get into a nasty custody battle. Anyway, she won Worst Actress at the Razzies Yeah, in the year 2000 for the next best thing. So... Madonna, I feel, I might be wrong in this, but Madonna, I feel, owes a large portion of her successes from the late 90s, maybe 80s, but late 90s on to now, I feel that she owes her career to gay people. Well, uh, in the year 2000, she marries Guy Ritchie, and that's a turning point in her relationship with gay culture. Yeah. Um. Madonna loves strong men, manly men, angry cishet men, including men who will tie her up for nine hours and beat her to a bloody pulp. Oh, hello, Sean Penn. I didn't see you there. (laughs) I read a report on exactly, I binged exactly what did Sean Penn do to Madonna. And holy shit. Yeah. Holy Shit, Sean Penn should have been should be rotting in fucking jail for a million years for what he did to Madonna. God damn he he was like drinking heavily scotch like whiskey straight from the goddamn bottle and he tied her up and beat her with like a lamp and then tied her up with the lamp tried tying her up with the lamp cord and choking her and then just tying her up with rope and punching her and beating the shit out of her and getting like a bat and just like totally fucking her up and then he left her tied up went to go get alcohol more alcohol because he was out came back kept drinking and beat madonna senseless for roughly nine hours wow until she escaped and ran like bloody through the streets begging for help so um there's a fight scene in swept away where if you know of madonna's history is really fucked up yeah But anyway, oh, so now Sean Penn is an activist and he's always fighting for people's rights. And in Katrina, in Hurricane Katrina, he had a boat that he was like like an old rusty sailboat and was going all throughout 
Hurricane Katrina saving people. And there's a there was a picture, a famous picture of him, you know, in glasses, so people don't recognize him, just try helping these stranded people on the roof of their houses. And he's got a red cup that he's using to uh, get out the water that was getting into the boat. And it's like, yeah, you can get rid of the water that's in the boat, but you'll never be able to get rid of the sin of beating the shit out of Madonna, Sean Penn. <laughs> we know why you're such an activist now. It's so that people forget. <laughs> but I didn't forget. Anywho. So in the year 2000, she was specifically hoping to shed a bit of her LGBT friendly image and wanted a rugged, manly man. And she found Guy Ritchie. British writer, producer, director, and manly man. He had a surprise hit with Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, and then he met and started dating Madonna. In the year 2000, Guy Ritchie and Madonna get married. Guy Ritchie releases Snatch, which is so damn good! <laughs> great freaking film Lock, Sock, and Two Smoking Barrels is a really good film I fell in love with Snatch and he followed those two amazing movies up with this piece of shit yes what the hell that is insane how do you follow those up with this fucking shit burger mm -hmm. because you're trying to make your girlfriend happy Yes, yes. And also, okay, so swept I mean, because this has Madonna just all fucking over it. Yeah, Madonna ruined Guy Ritchie for a while. Um, but Madonna is back. I mean, look at the fucking poster, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Swept Away is bad, but it's even worse when you realize that it's the follow-up to one of his best movies. Yeah. You know? So... Side note, Madonna has a big family, and her younger brother is named Christopher, Christopher Ciccone, and apparently in 2008, he was hard up for cash, so we wrote a tell-all, Yeah, and the tell-all is called Life with Sister Madonna, and in it, he dishes hard on Guy Ritchie, and so apparently, allegedly... Guy Ritchie is 100% obsessed with rugged masculinity in that very specific way that straight, angry, white alpha males are when they're so laser-focused on not being seen as gay that they're almost too focused on not being seen as gay. Yeah. One yeah. of those guys who's eating a banana and, uh, oh, hey, no homo, just potassium. I just need potassium. That's I'm quoting a line there, but um, so it makes sense that at the time Madonna wanted to shed a bit of her homosexual base and embrace more uh, of uh, like you know straight white femininity, and so it, it and and a good a good way to explain this is in the year 2000 Madonna releases an album called Music and of course the single Music becomes a gay dance hit everyone loves that song i love that song that's a great fucking song madonna's music uh turns the bourgeoisie into rebels that's a great <laughs> song but 
she promotes what she wants her single to be, a song called What It Feels Like For A Girl. Very heteronormative of her. And she gets Guy Ritchie to direct the music video. The music video features car crashes, explosions, uh, violence, and it's in fact so violent that MTV and VH1 banned the video. <laughs> makes sense that Guy Ritchie is this guy who wants to be seen as a guy. I'm a guy. I'm a straight guy. I'm not gay. I'm a guy. And Madonna's like, oh, I need a rugged man. Look at Guy Ritchie there. For its toxic masculinity. Yeah. So he is. So she wants a rugged, manly man. He is the king of toxic masculinity with lock, sock, and two smoking barrels and snatch. They get together, and what they created was this movie. It makes a, this movie makes a bit more sense when you realize Madonna's background, Guy Ritchie's background. They got together to make a super sexist film. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So together, Madonna and Guy Ritchie. Combined to create a super sexist comedy. Okay. You know, so it kind of makes sense when you realize where Madonna's coming from, where Guy Ritchie's coming from. Yeah. This was a remake of an already a bit sexist 1970s Italian sex comedy. And to be fair, in its defense, in the 1970s, it was less of a shock to see an Italian fisherman abuse and sexually assault a rich woman. Yeah. But in 2002, it's downright barbaric. Guy Ritchie would be canceled if he made this movie today. <laughs> this is a sexist fucking movie. Mm -hmm. This is an insane fucking movie. Okay, so, buddy. Like I say, it's, it's the first movie I've ever seen. With all the shit I've watched, I, this would be like the first movie I could think of that's offended me. Yeah. This film was more offensive than uh, Crispin Glover doing a film that features blackface with an all-special-needs cast. I don't remember the blackface. I don't I remember the horrible song. I, I don't remember either, but someone online said there was blackface in that movie, and I don't want to go back and check. Uh, Crispin Glover did a movie that that stars him and an entire cast of special needs people. So, Bonnie, why don't you hit us with the plot of the Guy Ritchie Madonna film, Swept Away. I will be um, swept away by your plot description. I'm pretty sure I already did, didn't I? You abuse a woman long enough, she will fall in love with you. Usually, right after the rape. Wait, he's not talking about Fifty Shades of Grey? No, we're talking about Swept Away. Uh, Madonna's married to Captain Christopher Pike of the USS Enterprise. So this, this movie is overboard, but not funny. Ooh, that's good. Uh, overboard without the amnesia. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're on a boat. He works on the boat. She is a rich bitch on the boat, and she is so over-the-top bitchy that I'm like, okay, like, at this point, I don't care, okay? I don't want, I don't want to see her happy. I don't want to see her fall in love. 
that's it. Push her overboard and have done with it. She is so fucking horrible in the first half hour of the film that you would need four more hours to make an audience feel sympathetic to her. Yeah. That she's such a horrible woman in the beginning of the film that like, oh, now you're in the island and the tables are turned. We don't care. Yeah. You know? Plus, I can't fully tell when the Italian characters are speaking Italian and when they're speaking English. Yeah, I had some trouble with that too. Real hard time with that. What are you speaking? I which, cannot believe which that the man were the only interesting elements of the movie at all. Yeah. That group yeah. of guys that we saw a couple of times. You know. I can't believe fucking dryer. You know, it's fine. We're doing it on laundry day. It's fine. So I can't believe that the man who wrote the incredible 2019 film The Gentleman also wrote this piece of shit. Yeah. Just want to take this time to say, the gentleman is a wonderful film, and the the the, the I keep forgetting what it's called. Uh, it's cheese, white widow super cheese. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. White widow super cheese. Okay, so continue with the plot. So there is a a, a, a dashing young deckhand. Who pushes back a bit? He's he's very angry. One of the write-ups said he was a communist. I don't know where the fuck that came from. Okay. Uh, and then she's being a bitch. She wants to go out on on uh, like a dinghy, uh, but he's advising against it because of the weather. But you know they've been fighting all along, so you don't. You, even here, you don't know to like believe them, you know. But yeah, they both go out on the dinghy and they like get lost or some shit, and they're trapped on a desert island. Yeah. <sighs> so that was the good part of the movie, I guess. Because yeah. now, as soon as we get to the island. He starts becoming a raving idiot and yes. an abusive fucking monster. And Absolutely. I'm like, okay, you know, just because you, okay, movie, just because you made me now dislike the only shot of a likable fucking character does not make me like her anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She she's not getting points because he's a bastard too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So basically we have two twisted people on an island together. Uh and I think Tasha mentioned Fifty Shades of Grey. This is pretty much Fifty Shades of Grey. In the sand. Yeah. You know? Where he's Man, basically we're pretty much debasing Madonna. And, like, I still don't care, you know? But, like, 
you're both fucking disgusting now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're both horrible. And then he rapes her and they fall in love. Yeah. Hooray! It's like all of it. Happy ending. Hooray! Everyone's fine. So like like I don't know how to like like really rate this movie because it's kind of in a class of its own. I think I'm yeah. gonna give it like I I think I can only give it one room. You know, <laughs> that's a, I forgot it. That's a great rating system. Yeah, and that's still being a little harsh to the room. I think. Yes. You know, because yeah. there's re- they don't uh, balance. You know, hey, look, no, absolutely like, not. the room is a movie that you get from a guy who never made a movie. That's what the yeah. that's what the room is. And it's like kind of hard to blame him for that. And it yeah. wound up catching on in spite of itself. But now we have like big name people. Doing a movie that like like I said before, like. You, people who who should have known better, you know, than to make this movie. Yeah. Triplehorn is in this. Who what? Gene Triplehorn? Gene Triplehorn? Yeah. Or is it Jeanette Triplehorn? Anyway, Triplehorn is in this movie. Wasn't she also in Waterworld? I don't know. Wow, that would be two epic bad movies for her. Maybe that's why we don't see her anymore. Um, okay, so this movie cost $10 million to make. It made $1 million worldwide. How much? $1 million. Ooh. In Italy? It only made $87,000. Yeah. This is such a huge bomb. It was never released in theaters in England. In Guy Ritchie's home country, this was a direct-to-DVD release. Yeah. Number one. And then, and then, uh, 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 so they fall in love on the island and so much so that Madonna sees a boat and instead of calling for it, she hides. Yeah. Cause she's in love with him. But but then like later they both see a boat and she's like, No, don't call it. I want to be with you here on the island. And he's like, I want to be in love with you. We're in love, and our love can survive anywhere. So we're going back. I'm going to call this boat and we're going to be rescued. And they get rescued and immediately Captain Pike from Star Trek breaks them up. Yes. End of film. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. See, I, I don't think I have enough film uh, experience to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, very Italian ending. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure if that's even but I'm going with it. So this was a huge bomb. Guy Ritchie is real hit or miss at the box office. Yeah. Cause like I'm gonna say okay. miss. <laughs> yeah. 
this movie was a huge bomb. He made a 2005 film called Revolver that cost $27 million, but only made $7 million. And in 2017, he started what was going to be a six-film King Arthur franchise. The first one cost $175 million to make and made $148 million and lost Warner Brothers over $150 million. Yeah. It really hurt the studio, and now we'll never see the other films in the series. But those he did the two Sherlock Holmes movies, and combined, those made a billion dollars. Yeah. Were, were those pre-Iron Man? Uh, they were like right alongside of Iron Man. But those were huge. I never saw either of those. I, I didn't care huge. for it, and I don't remember what happened. Huh. Yeah, so his two Sherlock Holmes movies made over a billion dollars, and he did a live-action Aladdin movie? That made a billion dollars on its own. Whoa. It starred someone who was in The Old Guard? Oh, yeah, Will Smith. So, uh, real hit and miss. Uh, Swept Away is a remake of a 1974 Italian comedy called Swept Away by an Unusual Destiny in the Blue Sea of August. Oh. Jesus That's the full Christ. title of it? Yeah, that's the full title of it. So here's a strange fact. The original 1974 Italian comedy starred uh, Giancarlo Giannini. And the star of the remake is Adriano Giannini, the son of the star of the original film. Okay. Number one, congratulations to you. You are living in your father's footsteps. On the other hand, shame on you for bringing shame to your family name. <laughs> your dad's film was uh, hailed as a, a genius work. Yours is one of the worst films of all time. Hey, opa! So congratulations to you. The original writer-director of the original Italian one was a woman named Lena Wertmuller. Yeah. And when, so this is a remake of her film. And so when they made the film, they had the premiere and they invited her to the premiere. Because that's what you do when you remake a film. You have the original filmmaker come to see your film. And as the story goes, she left the theater crying and screaming, what did they do to my movie? Why did they do this? Which fun fact <laughs> was also the same thing said, to every said by every audience member who left the theater when they saw this film. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm of two minds here, okay? I am really curious about the first movie because there is a wide spectrum about how you can handle this, this same material. You know, if we, if we took this movie, okay. stripped it down to its essence, we could do that in a lot of different ways. So I'm kind of... Uh, okay, so on I'm one glad. hand, I kind of want to see the original... 
But on the other hand, I want to go to that place Jim Carrey went to to have every bit of this fucking movie and to any tangential knowledge of it burnt from my brain. Yeah, that that would be good. I am glad you mentioned that because I think from what I can tell, the Italian film um, had more of a class warfare message than Madonna's, I think, lacks. I think when it comes to the original Italian, the, I, the, the premise of the film was more along the lines of she is the 1% and he is the lonely worker. Yes. She is capitalism and he is the proletariat. And now that they are stranded on this island, the roles have been reversed and the worker controls the means of production. So he is the powerful one and she is down there. Yeah. But what yeah. if they now have a relationship and they are rescued? Can a one percenter who is now the lowly worker and the lowly worker who is now the one percent, can this relationship survive when they return to a capitalist society? I think that's what the Italian film was more along the lines of. Yeah. When you get something subtle like that and you put it in the hands of Guy Ritchie, you just lose the meaning. Yeah. I think that's what happened here. You know, like I imagine that this film goes over better in Italian, but in the hands of Guy Ritchie, it's just creepy sexism and it's gross. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the direction they chose to take to take it. I yeah. mean, again, like the plot is so simple. It could be a cartoon if you want it. You know, yeah. she, she's a purple monkey <clears throat> and she's very selfish with her crayons, you know, and you do, you know, but this is where they decided to take it. And the other thing I noticed a lot was like, which I figured out, I was like, why are so many of these shots so fucking blown out? You know, like, I'm kind of surprised seeing this. This is kind of much from a Guy Ritchie movie, a movie that money was fucking spent on. Yes. You know? And then I was like, I know why. If it's blown out, Madonna looks younger. Nice. That, that was a good catch. Yeah, apparently the film was originally uh, 115 minutes, but it was cut down to 87. But I can't imagine that this film would be better if it was longer. Yeah. That's not that's not the fix to whatever this is. I will say there are two positives to this film. Number one, it's only an hour and a half. And number two, it killed Madonna's acting career. Yeah. So... There are, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So, like, like again, like, it's in his, it it's really occupies its own category of bad for me that I can't, like, fairly, you know, like, I think this was fucking horrible. I think this should be burnt and buried under the ground and the ground be salted after, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I think only one Barb and Star would Kind of straighten it out. Yeah, Bob and Star swept away. You know, and it's like, Madonna, and it's an Italian guy, and it's also Barb and Star. Yeah. 
Yeah. They're like, oh, man, I wish I, you know what? I, it, I'm, I just feel really bad that I wore my denim culottes when I got stranded, you know? <laughs> oh, you know what would be great stranded culottes? Those flowery ones that you have. Oh, yes, those ones were the, yeah. Yeah. Where did the other two go? I don't know. I think they're having sex again. <laughs> I think they're having, look, they're having a fight on the beach. Should we stop them? No, I just want to watch for a while. Did you see her eating out of his hand? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I've never kissed a guy's knee before. Is that something? Is that something that young people are doing? Is just kissing knees? Because I've never kissed a knee. I never kissed. I never kissed Jerry's knee. Or whatever the husband was. Yeah, I would watch uh, Barb and Star are swept away. One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So here's a fun story. So this movie was filmed in the Mediterranean Sea in October of 2001, and they had increased security on set because of 9-11. Yes. And that reminded me that post 9-11, a lot of people were insane because it was a real big uh, terrorist attack on America, on American soil. A lot of people were freaking out and, and anthrax. And, and so I remember hearing on the radio a story post 9-11 that Linda Ronstadt bought a specially designed gas mask to fit her dog. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised. And I and I just love that because post 9-11, people had the wrong ideas about a lot of things. And I just love the idea of the Taliban having their Taliban meaning. And they're like, gentlemen, we must destroy all of the things that mean the most to America. First, we destroyed the Twin Towers. Next, we destroyed Linda Ronstadt's Chihuahua Fido, <laughs> America's best dog. Then we bomb the set of Swept Away, of Madonna's newest hit. <laughs> like, terrorists don't give a fuck about you. This film broke me. This, uh, the, film, the film broke me, and I can tell you the exact spot where the film broke me. Okay. I, I would watch the film in like 15-minute intervals i would watch it for 15 minutes then i just pause it for a little bit walk around the house stretch say hi to people sit back down watch 20 minutes pause it maybe go outside get some fresh air yeah get some water pause it watch it again i can't imagine watching this in a theater but um the part that broke me where i wanted to quit was when they're having the we love each other and we're happy on the island montage set to the song Fade Into You by Mazzy Star. <laughs> like, fuck. That song was almost a decade old by the time they used it. That, so that scene feels like a parody of other movies. Yeah. This this movie broke me almost fucking immediately, man. Madonna just fucking killed it. And it was like, there is no way. There is no way you can take this character anywhere. 
where I will yeah. not despise her. I do not care if she does a, a full circle around and becomes a good person. I don't care. I despise her now. Yeah. Um, I, and then I, it I, just I, got worse. The movie made me really uncomfortable in the beginning because uh, the star is named Giuseppe, but everyone just calls him Beppe, which is my dad's nickname. Yeah. So that made me uncomfortable, but then Madonna just calls him Pee, which is... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, this movie sucks, and the scary part is, is that this is number 100 on the list of the 100 worst movies of all time. So this is the best of the worst. It is only going to go downhill from here. Yes, it is. It's only going to get worse than this. And I was curious, oh, so I, so I, so I did look over the list at the other movies, and I'm like, I don't know, man. After this, like, sure, the Love Guru is a bad movie, and sure, it's it's a pretty offensive character in its own right. I don't know if it could be this consistently just. Bad and okay. Offensive. Okay. So while we're talking about the list, uh, a few things. Number one, uh, I have seen The Master of Disguise once in my life, and I do not know if I can watch it again. The movie sends really? me into a violent age, and I do not think that I can sit through it again. Fun fact about the movie Master of Disguise, they filmed the scene where he's trying to get into the turtle club by dressing as a turtle. They filmed that on 9-11. Yeah. And that's really great to think of like, okay, is everybody ready? What? Terrorist attack? Oh, that's sad. Okay, so I'm going to get in my turtle outfit and do the worst scene in the movie. <laughs> course let's remember all the victims of today also we're gonna film the turtle scene now so uh, i'm just yeah I, I, i'm curious i have not seen it before i've seen clips of it so it's so bad i'm, it's I'm curious so you know uh, and from, from justin to kelly that yeah. is a bad movie but one positive I will say about this film is that uh, Justin Guarini and Kelly Clarkson were were the winner and the runner-up of the first season of American Idol. Yes. Um, America's Got Talent and The Voice have both been on the air for a combined total of 83,000 seasons. Can you name me one winner of either show? No. Neither can I. No one. How is that fucking possible? But I could name you, if I was hard-pressed, I could name you about two or three winners of America's Got, uh, of of uh, American Idol. Yeah. And I had never watched a single episode of the show, not even when William Hung was on the show. Yeah. Anyway... A if I could, if I could catch like the first episode or two of a season, I'd be good. Are they making fun of the bad people? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 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 
I'm interested to watch The Son of the Mask. Yeah. Because the star of it, I have a story about him being tricked into making a super far right-wing movie. Yeah. And I wanted to do it in Act 1, but I'm like, no, I should turn it into a shab. And I'm like, no, I need to wait for the perfect time. So eventually, we're going to watch number 10, Son of the Mask, and I'm really excited. Okay. Got a great story. Uh, my my uh, child, Bella, has seen the 2018 movie, The Open House, which is currently number 52 on IMDb's list of the bottom 100. It was one of those nights where it's like 1 a.m., Bella can't sleep. They say, I'm just going to put some stupid movie on Netflix on in the background and then do my thing. And it ended up being one of the worst films of all time in the next day. Bella was enraged. Enraged. She was enraged. They were enraged. And I wake up and Bella's just there. Okay, Dad, so I watched this movie last night on Netflix. It's called The Open House and fucking... Like she was... They were just on fire. <laughs> how pissed off they were about this movie. So I'm really excited to watch number 52, The Open House. Yeah. But we've got a, a, a list. Okay, so I'm heading now to the poll and a surprise entrant. Okay. A surprise. I wanted to do In the Name of the King, a Yui Bowl film. I thought people would vote for The Love Guru, but with 22% of the votes, in third place is The Love Guru, in second place is In the Name of the King, and in first place... Our next film that we will be watching next week is Street Fighter the Street No, it's not the Chun Li story. It's Walk Hard the Chun Li story, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, uh Dewey Cox plays Chun Li. What's her name? Kristen Kruk. Okay. She was in Smallville and nothing else, apparently. She was Lana. She was Lana in Smallville. Okay, so is this like a Street Fighter arcade game movie? It's a video game movie that gives a backstory to popular character Chun-Li. Not like a remake of the Sonny Chiba classic or... No, 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 no. This is this is this is based on a video game. And I am currently uploading it right now to our shared uh Waka Waka. Uh it currently has a five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. It was made in two thousand and nine. Uh so th this isn't that old of a movie. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan is in it. Wow. And, uh, oh my god, oh my god. Uh, Vega, who is one of my favorite characters in Street Fighter, is played by one of the non-popular members of the Black Eyed Peas. Okay. Oh my god, there's Will I Am, and then there's Fergie, and then, and the rest. One of the and the rest plays Vega in this. I am so excited for next week's movie. I've never seen this before. It it it's uh Chun Li is like an Asian fighter from Street Fighter. She's from Hong Kong, 
and they got this white Canadian to play her in this American movie. And so it's one of those movies. You know, like another film on the bottom 100 is Dragon Ball Evolution, a live-action Dragon Ball movie starring all white people. (laughs) So it's a long... It's one of those movies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for next week. This should be a really bad movie. This should be horrible. Any anything's got to be better than this one, man. Oh, I don't know. Uh, okay, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I I am interested to see if they get worse from here. Yeah, I'm interested to see that because Swept Away is a horrible fucking movie. I can't wait to delete this forever from my computer. But and you uh, know, you know, there's still a chance that we. We hit a misunderstood gem. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. There's always that chance, but I don't think the legend, Street Fighter, the legend of Chun-Li is going to be it. But it will be up on the shared cough cough soon. It should be up there now, in fact. That's what we're doing next week. Number, what did I say? I already lost it. Number 93? Number 95? I need to get this right, otherwise I'm going to... Number 92, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li from 2009, starring a member of that creepy sex cult. Okay. Yeah, we can talk about the creepy sex cult. Yeah, she was a member of the creepy sex cult. That one one that's called just Roman numerals, so it's a creepy sex cult called like MVXIM or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, she was a member of the creepy sex cult. Okay, sounds vaguely familiar. Well, the head of the creepy sex cult, his right-hand person, his number two, his Bob the Goon, was the blonde woman from Smallville. Okay. And she was on the news a lot. Oh, Smallville star in uh, arrested as being part of a sex cult, arrested for sex trafficking and yada, yada, yada. So she was the main one who was like one of the heads of the sex cult. And apparently she got Lana from Smallville to also be in the sex cult. So it, it, if the movie's bad, at least we're going to have a fun time talking about a sex cult. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so we're gonna. Oh, that'll be fun. Talking about sex cults is so much better than this week's movie. Also, I want to take this time to say because when it comes to these, this, we're doing the 100 worst movies of all time, and I just want to have fun with it. So reviews are starting to come in for Loki, the new Disney Plus series, which has its first episode this Wednesday. Yeah. I am so excited, and reviews have come out about how Loki is traveling through time trying to repair the broken timeline caused by him taking the Tesseract and going off having time adventures in uh, Avengers Endgame. And so the, the, in the first two episodes, one of them is set in the 1960s, and one of them is set... During filming of the movie Holes with Shia LaBeouf and Sigourney Weaver. Okay. For some reason, one of the episodes of Loki features Loki 
time traveling to the set of the kids' movie Holes. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing Loki when I can. I'm really excited for that, because that's some bunker shit. Falcon and the Winter Snowman was kind of what I sort of expected. Like, yeah, it's it wasn't as yeah. much fun, but it was also like kind of important. The only you know? thing I liked, the only thing I liked about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is uh, the fact that Bucky was doing a My Name Is Earl. Yeah, and also Baron Zemo was the fucking best. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I would rather just watch the the Zemo show than have to just watch the Falcon and the Winter Soldier fight and then be friends and then fight. Yeah, you but know? you know, but it just it, it was, was just the, a movie that made a nice transition. Yeah, from a Steve Rogers Captain America to, to uh, a a Falcon Captain America. I swear to God, I I feel like I have been waiting for decades to see the May Queen in a goddamn Marvel movie. Which one she's going to be in? Because she's Black Widow's sister. Oh, okay. And in the comic books, Black Widow's sister does take over as Black Widow. In the comic books, which means that the movie Black Widow might set up Florence Pugh, the May Queen from Midsommar, being a member of the fucking Avengers. Really? Yeah, that is a possibility. And another thing, uh, on Friday, they opened to the public Avengers Campus, a Marvel-themed land inside of Disney's California Adventure theme park in Los Angeles. And the Marvel area there is an alternate universe where Iron Man is still alive, and he's converted one of uh, his dad's old car factories into a science campus called Web Industries, where they develop new sciences, uh, primarily for Spider-Man and Iron Man and other Avengers. And one of the students who works at Web Industries is Peter Parker, because people don't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And they actually have Tom Holland in the Spider-Man ride, and he does the voice for Spider-Man, and it's really interesting. But while you go through the line, you are looking at pictures of all the other students who work at Web Industries. And one of them is the young kid who is now 17 years old, the young kid from Iron Man 3. Yes. But now he's grown up and he is working for Tony Stark. And people are focusing on that so much that they're not focusing that one of the other scientists is a fairly full-figured blonde young woman in her 20s named Doreen who lists her passions as helping animals, especially squirrels. It's Squirrel Girl. Disney theme park. When you go into the main gift shop at Disney's, uh, at the Marvel Land, 
you see this the ceiling and there's all of these different uh like easter eggs and stuff in the corner you see the potato gun that the kid used to scare off iron man in iron man 3 and you see a hoverboard that's been that has had uh iron man uh, stuff uh put on it and you see all of these things but in the corner you see a small gumball machine but instead of gumballs they're nuts uh-huh. And there's a sign tapes to the gumball machine that reads Snacks for Tippy Toe. Tippy Toe is the main squirrel sidekick of Squirrel Girl. <laughs> this is very important. This is probably And this is gonna be this is gonna be where? It's at Disney's California Adventure, the Disney park that is in what used to be the parking lot for Disneyland. Yeah. You remember they had that big-ass parking lot, and you would park in different... Oh, remember, we're at Pinocchio 5. That's where we parked. We're in the Pinocchio lot. Yeah. And it was this massive parking lot. Eventually, they said, okay, well, we can make like a 20-story, a 30-story parking lot and then use this space for something. And they built a second theme park called Disney's California Adventure, which bombed. And since it bombed, they've been trying to redo it. And now there's a, you know, there's a different types of rides and stuff in there and and more thrilling rides and they just opened a marvel land in what used to be a bug's life land oh it's sad that a bug's life doesn't get the love and respect that it deserves but yes now there's a marvel land it just opened up uh two days ago from the point that we're recording this and i'm just obsessed with uh theme parks especially ones that have squirrel girl in it (laughs) biggest story of 2021 squirrel girls at disneyland big deal big deal anyway that's it for this week next week we're watching street fighter the legend of chun li and we will be doing another uh uh the Pobon Film News Smatterings. Is the WWE going to be sold soon? Oh. And also the ratings are in the shitter, but that's beside the point. So next week's going to be a fun episode. But now that I'm looking back at this week, uh, the highs, the lows, the ups and the downs. There's lyrics to take me out to the ball game. Yes. Uh, Tyler Perry's Texas Chainsaw Expendables. <laughs> That was fun. Uh, Grimy mold guy. Yeah. Grimy mold guy. I got to say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. This has been a damn good episode. Okay. I felt the same way, but I didn't want to step on your toes. You're the person who makes that distinction, not me. But yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve, and on behalf of Maxwell and Natasha and Bella and everybody else, I speak for me. I try and mention the people who have been heard on the podcast. So Amber hasn't said anything out loud that people could hear. It. She did. Okay, I know. I'm just clarifying for the fan base, for the poppies, for the poppies. Oh, okay. So on behalf of Natasha and Maxwell and Amber, 
and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And she do show up wasn't good. Do 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 do